Well, very honored that you're here and, and glad that you're here. Um, we've been in this series called Seek Wisdom, and um, just talking with a few of you tonight, I, I know this has been helpful to some of you, maybe kind of pushing you in some ways. For others of you, you're here tonight, and uh, you've got a lot of questions, starting with like, what do I do with my life? <laughs> like, just simple questions like that. Uh, maybe it's simpler questions like, you know, what direction do I need to take? I just feel like I'm stalled out in life and I need to figure out those things. And, and I wish I, I wish I had an answer from the scriptures or from, from Jesus himself to say, this is plan A, go do this. But I don't. I don't have that. And uh, I told you in the week one, you know, I used to pray that God would write me a letter and tell me what career I should have and what house I should buy and what girl I should date and all that kind of stuff. And I just wanted him to send me this letter because to make it really clear. And then I, I just I realized uh, that was dumb. And then I, I realized, you know, if I got that, it would all be about me. And so part of the struggle that you might find yourself in with those lingering questions, with those lingering wonderings of what do I do and how do I move, step, you know, move forward and what is the next step and all those, I, I just want to encourage you that wisdom in a lot of times, um, it's a waiting process and that's okay. I think in our culture, um, we want answers so fast and we want it to be so crystal clear. And here's my encouragement to you. As you're seeking out wisdom, pray. And I always pray this. God, would you make it clear enough for me, the dummy? And I use those words. Because I want God to make it as clear enough for this dummy not to miss the next steps that I need to go. But I also know that that, a lot of times, is going to be this tension of waiting within wisdom. And a lot of it's mining my own experiences and learning from my mistakes and learning from my past as well as trying to think of things of what I want in the future. And, and tonight, I want us to kind of look at this notion. We talked about what is wisdom, kind of the what and why of wisdom. Week two is kind of about this idea of cultivating wisdom, hopefully gave you some things to work on, some tips or, or some aspects of life that you can kind of build into your life to say, here's, here's how you go about cultivating wisdom in your life. And tonight, I want to look at this idea of what does it mean to be a person? that walks in wisdom. And, and the simplest answer I can give you to that is you just walk the best you know how in the moment you're in. And when you stumble, you get back up, you learn from it, and you keep walking in wisdom. And I want to kind of look at this notion of wisdom. And I hope my hope for this whole series has been, because if you're kind of new to elements, I want you to hear as a pastor from time to time, I want us to remember why we gather. And why we even exist as a church. That we have a simple statement. We call it our mission statement. You can call it whatever your vision, whatever word you want to put to it. But the Element City Church is about inviting people into a life-giving and life-changing relationship with Jesus. That's why we do everything we do. Into a life-giving relationship with Jesus. Life-giving is this notion that you don't have anything without God. You're good. And you're, you're wonderful, but you're, you're not going to make your way to God on your own power. That you need him to breathe new life into you. He did that in faith through Jesus. As we put our faith and aim our life in his direction to say, I need him, we get to the place where we are given life. And life with God is now available to us. And this life changing, that there's always a next step. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, hey, you got a next step. Go ahead. You can do it. It's not weird. 
It's not weird when everybody does it. Um, you have a next step. Every single one of us in our faith journey has a next step. And really, this series has all been about that next step. No matter how long you've been following Christ, here's what I know. A wisdom is this idea of, of, of giving you navigation uh, to help with next steps and to avoid dangerous storms. So uh, wisdom can help with those things. So let me kind of give you a refresh. If you're kind of catching into this series, we'll kind of briefly go through this. But wisdom helps us in a life-changing journey with Jesus. That's why this series, we've been doing this. And we kind of talked about, remember the Proverbs challenge I gave you week one? And if you're new to the Bible and you've never done this, here's my encouragement to you. This is something I've gotten to practice since kind of my middle school years, is every so often in a season of life, I'll take the book of Proverbs, which is kind of right in the middle. We'll be in Proverbs chapter four, if you want to turn there uh, tonight. Proverbs chapter four is where we'll be, but the book of Proverbs has 31 chapters, right? Most months have 31 chapters days. It's pretty simple. And so the proverb of the day, you won't read that in the Bible, but it would simply be like today is October what? 17th? August. Did I say October? Awesome. I am really wanting the cool weather. Um, but that really doesn't happen until after... Uh, anyway, okay. So August 17th, so today would be Proverbs 17. You see how that works. So my encouragement to you, if you've, if you've never done that, just from time to time throughout the year, maybe once a year even, just say, hey, I want to do the Proverbs challenge. And I'm just going to read because how you gain wisdom is you've got to glean wisdom and God gives us his wisdom. And the book of Proverbs is one of the primary places of wisdom literature in the Bible. And it's a super awesome book. We kind of broke it down and talked about it at chapters 10 through the end to give us so many nuggets of wisdom that will help you in relationships and in finances and in, in decision making and all those kind of things in your job and you know, kind of work life and in, in every kind of area of life you'd have, it's really good to do that. So I just wanted to mention that again. Uh, wisdom guides us that we're able to navigate the twists and turns of life, that we can get toward the end of life and be able to look back. Remember we said this, to be able to look back and say, that was a life well lived. I don't know anybody that wants to get to the end of the life and go look back and go, I don't know anybody that wants to do that. I, want, I know people, everybody, that wants to get toward the end of their life and be able to look back and say, that was a life well lived. You want to have that confidence, and wisdom helps you do that. We talked about this. Uh, the whole book of uh, Proverbs is kind of pointing out, Solomon's kind of pointing to this reality that if you miss wisdom, you will wander. That if you missed it, you will wander. You're going to wander, and the trajectory of your life will, will end up at a place where you're like, man, I, I just wish I wasn't here. I don't know how I got to this place. Have you ever met someone that they've used those words? I don't know how I got here, right? And so what you want is to gain wisdom in life, to help you get to the trajectory in the place of where you want to go. And we said wisdom is not automatic, but it can be acquired. We said this is the verse that we were kind of using throughout the whole thing. Proverbs nine twelve. it says this, If you become wise, you will be the one to benefit. But if you scorn wisdom, you will be the one to suffer. That there is a, a consequence that goes here with wisdom or ignoring wisdom. And we kind of gave this working definition of wisdom through the series. That it's the acquired ability. Remember, it's not automatic, but it can be acquired. It's this acquired ability to make the best godly decisions within your situations. That your situations are different than the person sitting next to you. That your situations, what you need is to have godly wisdom. And so much of our world wants to grow and measure our IQ 
or measure our EQ, emotional quotient, or how well we can relate. But what we want to grow is our WQ, our wisdom quotient in life. It will help you have the best possible life. That's what Solomon is writing. And he's trying to pass along and say, look, you want this. You want to develop this. Week two, we kind of looked at, and you can go back and look at the sermon. We said wisdom uh, has a God-centered trust to it. It has a God-centered trust where we lean into God and not onto ourselves. Remember Proverbs 3? That trust in the Lord with half your heart, with a third of your heart. No, with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. That it's, it's beginning to, to lean and put all of uh, your uh, emotional, mental, and, and physical weight, so to speak, into God and what His way of life and living is about and what it's calling you to. That, that's that when you're in a confusing place, that's the best way to lean, that you want to go that way. We talked about wisdom doesn't come in an app, but it comes through application. It's not about just knowing wisdom. It's about doing and living out wisdom. And so tonight, I want to look at this and kind of bring it full circle to this notion of what does it mean to be a person who walks in wisdom? You're cultivating it. It's beginning to become a more and more a part of your life. What does it mean now to be a person who walks in wisdom? And I want to spend most of our time in Proverbs chapter 4. And so if you have your Bibles, you can go there. And wisdom often um, in the scriptures, our life is referred to as a path. Uh, and so you may see that throughout the scripture that, that your life is kind of, uh, it's not referred to as just that, but in a lot of ways that's a picture that it's given that your life, your, your life journey, you're going to be on a path, you're going to be on this journey. And wisdom is kind of saying, look, there's this pull of wisdom that if you listen to it and you follow it, it's going to take you on this path. But listen, there's other voices that try to call out to you. There's other paths that will try to get you diverted and detoured in their direction, Right? And Solomon's really been saying this a lot in different uh, Proverbs. And here he says it in verse 10. says, Listen, my son, accept what I say. In the years of your life will be many. I instruct you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. He's saying, I want to lead you along. Wisdom will guide you in the best possible way. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. Hold on to instruction and do not let it go. Guard it well, for it is your life. Do not set foot, uh, set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evildoers. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it and go on your way. You go on your path. You choose the path of wisdom because it's the path that will guide you. That when the Bible speaks of this notion of, of being on this path, this wisdom, it's calling to us to have a, a, a certain uh, ability to, to rule out other things or to begin to make better choices and decisions that you might have three or four paths that you could go but what's the wise one the best possible one to take anyone ever been hiking before raise your hand real high okay we live in a kind of a hiking capital uh i remember uh hiking the picacho peak when i was about 13 we were with the boy scouts yes Eagles, I don't know, uh, forget the, the whole motto. But um, you know, it was with the Boy Scouts, we were up there, and anyone ever been up to Picacho Peak? You kind of go on the backside of the mountain, and then you've got to go up some cables and stuff. But on the way around the backside of the mountain, my friend Andy kind of got out in front of us, and the rest of the, the guys were kind of lingering behind, so I was kind of stuck in the middle. And they have little tiny orange arrows 
that would kind of direct you on the path that you're supposed to go. And I remember kind of thinking, I saw Andy kind of go around this whole, uh, this corner that I couldn't quite see around. And I remember going, okay, well, I got to go that way. And I didn't see arrows, but I didn't really look closely enough. And I remember going around and I was holding on to a, a bush that was there, like one of those desert broom type things. And I had my backpack on and I'm calling out to my friend Andy. And all of a sudden this bush breaks, which is never good. Uh, because I'm leaning backwards, and because I'm 13, uh, I wasn't really paying attention to where I was, and I should have been. Always be prepared, right? Isn't that like the motto? I was not that. And so I, what I didn't realize is that my whole world began to spin like a washing cycle, and uh, I remember being stopped. I don't know how I stopped, but I stopped with like my feet getting ready to dangle over about a 100-foot cliff. And I'm convinced to this day God stopped me because there's no reason I should have stopped. It was all loose dirt and it was all on an angle. And uh, that was my come to Jesus moment uh, as a 13-year-old. And uh, I was a believer, but I was a believer um, then. And uh, that really wasn't life-changing for me. That is one of my parts of my story. And um, But it all started because I got off the path. And I didn't realize I was. I just, I thought that I was doing the right thing. Now, equate that to life. Have you ever been there where you thought you were doing the right thing and what you were holding on to in life, you were putting all your weight and all your energy and focus on that and all of a sudden it breaks, it breaks apart and your life is kind of you know left spinning a little bit and what you realize in hindsight is that you got off the path and you got off choosing the best possible way to go and you ended up just kind of choosing this whether it was just because of emotions or because of other people or because of whatever your story is it took you on a path that diverted you and that's really what Solomon's writing here is you want to choose the path of wisdom and how you begin to choose that is really important in fact he kind of hints at this in verse 25 here's what he says let, let your eyes look straight ahead fix your gaze directly before you Give careful thought to the paths for your feet, and they will be steadfast in all your ways. You need to fix your gaze. That wisdom has this gaze to it, where it's not ignorant. It's not distracted. It doesn't get disoriented. It's actually aware, and it's focused. That doesn't mean you're a stick in the mud, and it doesn't mean that you're a person who can't have fun in life. But what it means is that you have a focus to your life where you're not, I'm not saying you have to be a driven type A type person because some of you aren't type A's and and the world needs you because type A's are just, we just bull people over all the time and we need other people. And so what you need to know here is that this focus is really important. Wisdom has a focus. It has this gaze to it where it's saying, God, I'm, I'm leaning on you. And I want to do the best possible way to live life. I want to have this acquired ability to make the best godly decision I can in the moment I'm in. I just I want to be able to do that. And so I want to learn. I want to learn from the people around us. We talked about that last week. I want to learn from myself and my mistakes. I want to learn from Scripture. I want to learn from other people who can mentor and pour into me. I want to learn and grow in my wisdom so that I have this ability to focus. Anyone ever been distracted before? Maybe a few of you, um, if not all of you. I remember I went to visit uh, a friend of mine. Uh, her name is Julie, and she was going to have surgery at TMC. If you've been to TMC, you know that it's just miles upon miles and miles of hallways. 
everywhere. It's like taking, a, I don't know, it feels like 10 square blocks of a city. And, and it's just, it's huge. And I remember going into Julie's room and kind of our small group was there. And because uh, we're big believers in e-groups and stuff. And so there's before elements and our small group was there. We're praying for Julie. She's going to have this surgery. And lots of people and just kind of milling about and lots of conversation going on. We're kind of waiting for the people to come and take the, you know, the, they roll the bed down the long hallway toward the surgery room and things. And I remember looking across the hallway and seeing this room that was completely empty. And I thought, well, I should go in there. Um, and the weird thing was it was completely empty, which is what caught my attention. And I walked into the room, but I never noticed the signs down below where my feet are. And I'm not a tall guy. So I don't know why I missed that. But I remember walking into the room and I was walking around and kind of looking at that they were new, you know, doing new painting and kind of restoring a bunch of things. And then I remember my feet getting a little bit harder to move. And like it was just and I looked down at my shoes and I realized they have spread the glue in the paste for tile to go down. And I'm on it. And my feet prints like are all over this room because I've gone kind of all over the room exploring. I thought it would be a cool thing. And I'm realizing, uh, oh, um, I shouldn't be in here. And I kind of gingerly and very sticky walked out of the room, saw the signs that said, um, don't walk in here. And just because I was oblivious uh, in the moment. And and here's the the sad part was the lady shows up to take the bed. We're walking down the hallway and all you hear is... as I'm following her for what seemed like half a mile uh, to the surgery waiting, and she's laughing because it's just, it's funny, and I embarrass myself. Again, awesome. Um, But focus matters in life. We know that. We know that to be true. That's why we use the phrase, what you have to pay attention. There's a cost to attention, isn't it? It's really easy to not pay attention. In fact, it's kind of our humanity default, isn't it? It's kind of our humanity default just to kind of do whatever feels right, to do whatever feels good, and just to say, hey, I'm, I'm going to do this. Now, is that wrong all the time? No. Could it be? Well, I guess it could be. Have we seen that play out in a way, maybe in your life or maybe people that you know, where they just kind of winged all of life and just whatever felt right, whatever seemed right in the moment, they just did? And do you think it worked out perfectly for them? Do you think there was some harm or some damage that kind of came into their life? Well, I think if we would honestly look at that, maybe even from self-experience, we would go, yeah. See, wisdom has a gaze to it. It has a focus. It has an attention. And you have to pay attention. There is a cost to that. But the benefit of it far outweighs the neglect of it. That if you just neglect it and do whatever, the damage that that causes, and I don't need to teach you this, you know this, the ripples that that sends across your life and across the the lives of others that it impacts, we know the damage that that does. And so Solomon's writing, and he's saying, look, I want you to fix your attention. Son, don't lose focus, is what he's saying. Wisdom is the path you want to walk, and it takes you paying attention. There is a cost to it, but it will be worth it for you. You'll be the one to benefit. You won't be the one who suffers. If you will train yourself to pay attention and to live with this wisdom gaze. He goes back, verse 18 and 19 says this, The path of the righteous 
is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. Meaning it just gets brighter and brighter and brighter. Wisdom grows. It illuminates more and more of life. And then he contrasts it with this. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. You ever had to make your way across the room and not turn the light on and all of a sudden you're kicking everything and you're stubbing your toes and you're like, what in the world? People live that way in life. Listen, listen. I can live that way in life if I choose to ignore wisdom's gaze and to say, look, I'm going to pay attention to wisdom. I'm going to not just cultivate it. I'm going to make it a part of how I live my life. Your attention, what you pay attention to, matters in life. It does. What you fill your mind with, what gets your attention as far as how much time and how much energy you put toward it, it will impact your life. I know uh, some of you feel like you can live life to the fullest full with no margin. And I would say you could do that in your 20s. <laughs> and then when you turn 30, you'll go, I can't do that. And then when you get 40, you go, man, I really can't do that. I'm learning that. You can live with no margin for a while, but it will catch up to you. It will impact you. Why? Because what you give your attention to impacts you. This is the principle I want you to kind of learn and kind of resonate within you about wisdom. Here's, here's what it is. Attention influences our decisions. Decisions drive your direction in life. And direction ultimately determines your destination. What you pay attention to will influence your decisions, what decisions you make. And we talked about how all of life is not just right and wrong, uh, black and white type answers and decisions you have to make. There's a lot of gray. There's a lot of nuanced decisions. But here's the truth. Your attention, what you pay attention to will influence your decisions. Who you pay attention to will influence your decisions. Who you have speaking into your life, that's what you're paying attention to. That's going to influence your decisions. Your decisions will drive the direction of your life. And ultimately, it will determine where you end up. I want that to just sit with you, especially if you're in your 20s. Friends, if you just keep this in mind, it will help you tremendously navigate the decisions that you have to make. Every single one of us here has a thousand decisions to make every single week. And most of them aren't right, wrong ones. They're nuanced. And so what you pay attention to is going to influence how you decide. And that's going to drive your direction. And your direction will ultimately determine where you end up. Which kind of leads to this big question of how do we aim our attention and decide to walk in wisdom. How do we begin to do that? What does that actually mean to be a person of wisdom? To exercise it, to seek it out, to pay attention to it? Well, and I think in essence, maybe you can boil it down to this. It all goes back to your character. To your soul. To who you are. What makes you, you. That it goes back to who you're becoming. In everything that's pouring into you and everything that's investing in you, your character, your soul becomes the thing that binds everything together. I wrote a, uh, re, uh, read a great book uh, John Ortberg wrote called Soul Keeping. He says this, your soul is what integrates your will, your mind, and your body into a single life. 
Your soul is the life center of humanity. That your soul, your character, who you are on the inside, that all gets shaped by what you pay attention to. It gets shaped and impacted by what decisions you make. It gets uh, molded by what direction you end up taking in life. And so at the end of the day, wisdom is formed internally. It's not just an accessory to life. It's meant to flow from out of who you are in your life. That's why Jesus talks so much about the inner life, not just external things. And so often in religious circles, we can focus on the external things. And yet Jesus is always driving back to the heart, always driving back to the soul, to the character, the who you are. And we, we know this to be true. We know it to be deeper, even outside religious circles. That you think about one of the most famous speeches ever given in our land by Martin Luther King, right? And he starts off the very first part of that speech. He says, I'm, ha- I'm happy to join with you today in what will go down in history as one of the greatest demonstrations of freedom in the history of our nation. Then he has that one famous line. You'll remember it. I have a dream that one day my four little children will live in a nation where they are not judged by the color of their skin, but by what? The content of their character. That's what we need. Why? Because character is like the bedrock of humanity, isn't it? It's the bedrock of you. You can have a lot of things accessorize your life. You can actually use a lot of words to talk a good game. But who you are on the inside will make its way out, won't it? It just will. It has a way of overflowing. See, to be a Christian, I wrote this, to be a Christian is to be revived by God's grace through faith. You didn't start it. It's a total gift from God. He revived you. But then you enter into a process of having your character reshaped by the content of God's character. That his heart begins to be implanted and molded and shaped into your heart. And so how you walk in wisdom is maybe as simple as, am I walking with a heart that's more like Jesus this year than I was last year? Have I aligned my life? Have I put my focus on a, you know, on a path that the influences that are coming into me, the decisions that I'm making, the direction that I'm taking, that it's helping mold me to be more and more having a heart like God's this year than I was last year? That's how you know when you're walking in wisdom, is your heart more quickly to reflect the heart of God? Are you more generous this year than you were last year? Are, are you more forgiving this year than you were last year? Are you more aware of the broken this year than the last year? Spiritual growth is about becoming more and more aware of storms. Um, thank you for your protection. Okay. And a big, strong building. We want to have God's heart formed into us more and more. That's spiritual growth. Not how many verses you know, how much you, know, you, you serve. Those are good indicators. But they're not the bedrock. This is about reshaping your character, your soul, about who you really are, what makes you, you. We all live... Out of the overflow. In fact, um, here's what the Mason, if you have your Bibles, I want you to underline this verse in uh, Proverbs 4. It says this, it's the key verse of this whole chapter. 
He's kind of alluding to this path. He's kind of saying, keep your focus. And then he says these words, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Above all else, you guard your heart. Why do you have to guard it? In fact, uh, in the Hebrew language, this idea of, of guarding is, is this notion of, it, you've seen uh, movies where they have like the crown jewels, right? In this lockdown secure area and they have the, like the laser beams going everywhere and spinning all over and like guards everywhere. That's what it means. It's this notion of you, you protect your core. You protect who you are, your heart, your soul. Because it, God is reshaping you, remolding you. You are a new creation the scriptures say. And God's building his heart more and more into you. And you have to guard it. Why? Because if you don't stay focused, if you don't stay focused with that and guarding that, it can become polluted. It can. Based on the decisions and the attention you pay, the decisions you make, the direction you end up going, and you could wake up five years from now going, how in the world did I get here? And people do, don't they? Maybe that's part of your story. And you woke up one day and you said, man, I gotta get, I gotta get some things figured out. And someone just invited you because we want to be a church that invites people wherever they are to say, hey, there's, there's a life-giving source of hope. His name is Jesus. And if you just turn in his direction, he's already turned in yours. And if you just trust him, He's got these next steps for you to begin to, to become more and more of what you wanted to be and what he dreams you to be. And it's this walk of wisdom that I want to pay attention to. In fact, Jesus has some powerful words about this notion of our character, our inner life, our soul, that we live out of this overflow. In Luke chapter 6, you can go there if you want, or you can follow along on version 2. He says these words, No good tree bears bad fruit. Nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People don't pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from uh, briars. And then he says in verse uh, 43, A good man brings good things out of the good that's stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Here's the truth. The spiritual truth, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not. Whether you want to be a follower of Jesus or not. You speak what you're full of. That's what Jesus is driving home. Why? Because he's teaching this truth that we all live out of the overflow. Every single one of us. And if we have wisdom buried and cultivated and built up within us, well then... That's what we're going to speak. That's what's going to come out of the overflow. But if we don't, if we've ignored that and we've chosen our own direction and we've paid attention to other things and it's taken us in this direction, then we're going to be full of that and that will overflow as well. We know this to be true. You know it to be true. And so what the scriptures are constantly calling us to is that, hey, life change doesn't happen by willpower. It's not just this external accessory that you add on to your life. Jesus always spoke about the heart. Because even in our own, this is why you lean not on your own understanding, because my own understanding can be deceptive, can it? 
I can pretty much talk myself into anything. Can't you? If I'm just left to myself, I can probably make anything sound good. Right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Why? Because you've entered into this relationship now. Not a religion, but a relationship where God is reshaping you, remolding your heart from the inside out. And how you walk in wisdom is you fill your life more and more with wisdom. And say, God, shape my heart with it. Let it be reflective in me. St. Augustine said this, The key to life change is not acts of the will, but loves of the heart. It's not about willpower and the acting to do it. It's what does your heart love? And when you let your heart love God and love people, wow, Jesus actually said something like that. Then it begins to direct your whole life. And you actually begin to become um, something more. So we all spring out of the overflow of our heart. The Bible speaks and says our heart determines not just our feelings, but our actions and our thinking and how we perceive life. And everything in your life has a way of flowing through your heart, through your soul, through your inner person, who you are on the inside. It's how you filter everything. And we have a choice in how we're going to walk and what path we're going to take. We have this choice. I told you last week, I want to give you a principle. So we did that one. And I want to give you a filter. Because I know for some of you, um, for all of us, and myself included in here, when things aren't just right-wrong answers, sometimes it's really hard to know what the right best thing to do is. Isn't it? Does anyone else ever struggle with this? Is it just me? Sometimes it's hard to know what the right best thing to do is. I've got three choices of careers, or I've got two choices of schools, or I've got two opportunities to engage in. I've got these other relationships that are going, I've got these other set of relationships, and which one do I invest in more? And maybe all these decisions and all these choices, how do you go about making a decision? And a wise one at that. And here's the filter that I've been using for a while. In fact, I read this um, quite a few years ago from a book that Andy Stanley wrote called The Principle of the Path. If you are in your 20s, I would tell you, read that book. I bought one for my son to read his senior year this year because I want him to read this one. In fact, some of the stuff we've been getting for this uh, series is out of that. The Principle of the Path by Andy Stanley. And in that, he gives a filter that I think is, is really, really good At any point in life, no matter what season or stage in life you're in, if you ask yourself a question about wisdom, what's the right best thing to do through this lens or through this filter? Here it is. Based on my past experiences and my current circumstances and my future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing for me to do? Based on my past experiences, meaning your past experiences are different than the person sitting next to you. So based on your past experiences, based on your current circumstances, where you are in life, and that's different than the person sitting next to you, and based on your hopes and dreams for the future, and that's different than the person sitting next to you. When you begin to ask yourself, okay, how I was raised, my whole background, what I'm experiencing right now, where I am in life, and where I want to go, what's the wise thing for me to do? So often, we might not want to make decisions about what's the right or what's the wrong. And most of life happens somewhere in the middle, right? And what you want at the end of the day is I want to know what the 
best thing. I want to know what the wise thing for me to do. This is a great filter to just put in your mind. And anytime you get to those bigger decisions, now listen, if you're you know, standing in fries, like the ice cream aisle, and you're staring at the ice cream, and you're like, Blue Bell, or do I go with dryers? And like, I, I don't want to encourage you to be standing there and be like, hey, 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 based on my past experience, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, you probably should go get vegetables, okay? Um, at least that's probably what I would say to myself at that time. But I don't want vegetables right then. I want ice cream. So choose an ice cream. Just pick one. It's okay. But what you want is in the bigger decisions of life, okay? Those moments where you're trying to figure out, okay, what, what career do I go? You know, what, what degree do I pursue? What relationship do I invest the most in? What, you know, do I have to move? Uh, when do I start a family? How do we raise our family? How do we make decisions like I'm looking at for my son? You know, how do we help him get off to college well? And just all those decisions that you just simply say, okay, based off my past experience, my present circumstances, my future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing for me to do right now? And then you give yourself time to think. So much of our culture is about speed, fast, make fast decisions. Listen, you have to build margin. We talked about this last week. Wisdom comes in the margins of life. You have to build in time. Now, there will be times where you have to make a fast decision, and that's okay. But you want to build in some time for that. So I want you to live with this filter. It's a really healthy thing uh, that I think the scriptures are always kind of pointing to. It's just phrased in a way that maybe will stick with you. Um, Important principle, important filter. All throughout the scripture, and here in Proverbs in particular, it's written from this notion of of a father's advice to a son, to a daughter, to a child. It's written with this parental voice. And I know any time I talk about this parental voice, there's so many different groups of people in this room that uh, of how you feel when you hear that. For some of you, that's a good memory. For others of you, it, it's squishy. For others of you, that's a hatred thing. And you don't want any part of that. But I want you to know that you know all throughout the Scriptures, we're referred to as God's kids. Think of the, in the New Testament. How, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we get to be called the children of God. That He's the perfect Heavenly Father. And He knows your life. He's dialed in. He's not distracted. He's not disoriented. He's, he's not uh, deluded by so many other things and running a universe. Like He's big enough to actually know what's going on in your life. And He's dialed into you. And he wants to pour wisdom into your life. He wants you to cultivate it and to glean it from the things around you, from people around you. And he knows what's best for you. In fact, he actually wants the best for you. God is for you, not against you. For some of you, that's a rewiring that has to go on in your brain and a rewiring that has to go on in the deepest part of you, in your soul and in your heart. And I pray that that would happen over time. Because God loves you, and He's for you. You know, all throughout this whole book of Proverbs, it's speaking as, a, as this lovingly, uh, heavenly Father to us, saying, look, I want what's best for you. 
If you've ever been to a park before where kids were playing, uh, maybe you took nieces and nephews there, maybe you took your own kids there, and there comes a moment where you hear it and parents give that countdown. Maybe you've heard it. Hey, Jimmy, two more minutes. we got to go, right? And then here's what you know is going to happen in that two minutes. A, two minutes is really five, okay? Let's be honest. Because as parents, we know uh, what's going to happen, and we're just trying to delay it. We don't want it to happen. We're like hoping they get tired. And we're hoping like maybe they even fall and skin their knee because then they'll want to go. Because what we know is going to happen is when you say two minutes and you start giving the countdown, you're like, hey, one more minute. Hey, 30 seconds. Hey, 10 seconds. Hey, five seconds. And it's been two minutes. And the kids are like, well, you don't know how to count. Um, but different story. But what happens is the parents know there's a threshold for each kid. And each kid might be different. Maybe for one of your kids, they can play at the playground for hours. And they're okay when they get home. For others of you, maybe you've learned that, hey, your kid can play for 10 solid minutes at the playground. But if they go for 12, they are a mess back home, right? And so every parent knows this. And they know it about their kid. And so they give the countdown and then you know, they, 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 you know, give them the whole countdown. They start taking the kid, and then that's where it gets weird because you're like, this is my kid, I'm not kidnapping anybody. Um, and the kids are screaming, and the kids are screaming and yelling, and they're crying, and they're fussing, and what they're really saying in that moment is, hey, you are oppressing my rights! You are squashing my will! You are robbing me of self-expression! This is wrong! These laws, these rules of evil people! That's what they're yelling. They don't use those words, they just scream. But as a parent who's a loving parent, what you know to be true is that I'm actually loving you right now. And this is the most loving thing I could do for you. Because if I leave you here for another half an hour, we just hang out, I know what's coming. And I know what it's going to be like. And you're not going to like it back home. And I definitely won't like it back home. I know what's best. It's like when kids, and you're holding their hand, you're walking down the street, and they see something across the street, and they want to dash to it, right? And as a parent, or as an uncle, or as, a, uh, as an aunt, you're kind of holding their hand, and you're not letting go. Why? Because you see something they don't see. A street with cars that could injure them, or worse. And so you're holding their hand, and they're screaming because they want to get across the street. And what they need to know in that moment is this is the most loving thing I can do for you. In fact, I actually love you. I'm not trying to torture you. It's like that in life, too. We are all kids pulling on the arm of God sometimes. God, why do you make these rules? God, why do you kind of set things up to be this way? This path of paying attention to wisdom is hard stuff. It's tiring. I just want to go do whatever I want to do, God. And God's holding your hand and saying, oh, no, this is the most loving thing I can do for you right now. I know you want to go do that. I'm just telling you, you're not going to like it when you're finished. You're not going to like where you end up. Your attention is going to drive your direction. It's going to influence your decision. And you're going to wind up at a destination that you wish you weren't even at. And so I'm holding your hand right now. Now, can every kid pull away from their parents? Eventually, they get old enough and strong enough to do that, don't they? Don't they? And so can you. So can I. 
But sometimes God's holding our hand and he's saying, look, this is the most loving thing I can do for you. Would you just trust me? I have a, a path marked out and I want us to walk on this. Would you just trust me? I promise it'll be better this way. God is for you, friend. The reason he's given us wisdom, personified in Jesus, instilled and passed on from people who invest in you and from his scriptures, and the reason he wants you to learn, the whole reason we did this series to say, look, it's important. In fact, it's vital for you to grow spiritually, and it's vital for you for life. If you would seek wisdom and pursue it with everything you've got, you will be the one to benefit. You'll be the one to benefit. So remember that principle. Think about that filter. But remember the sense that you have a heavenly father who loves you and who is trying to guide you on the best path. And as we get set to worship, uh, our worship team is going to come and we're going to have an opportunity for communion. And just remember that Jesus had this notion. Remember what he said? I've come that you may have life. And that you may have it to the full. An abundancy, not a discrepancy, not a deficiency. I've come that you may have life, and life to the full. God's for you. He wants the best for you. He loved you so much that he sent his son to die on a cross and to rise again, that you, if you turn to him, may have life with him. That there's this conspiracy among the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit saying, let's go win our people back and bring them home. Let's invite them home. Let's show them the way. Let's get them. See, Jesus walked the walk that we were supposed to. He died the death that you were supposed to receive so that we can receive the gift that we could not purchase ourselves. That's what we remember in communion. That's what we remember in wisdom. I want to trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean not in my own understanding. And so in a moment, as you go to take communion or you can just sit and reflect, maybe think about the last three weeks and about what God's kind of drilling into your heart. Maybe you want to think about this principle and how it's played out in your life and how you want it to play out differently. I want to just give you some space. They're going to play a little bit. You're going to have plenty of time to do this. We're going to have a couple worship songs, and we'll close and be done. But I don't want us to be in a rush. I just want to create some space for us to contemplate, to think. And so I'm going to pray for us. And then uh, as they play, uh, you can take your time. You can actually do communion through the couple worship songs if you want. But I want to give you some space and some, um, some margin right now to think about, okay, what, is, what does it mean for me? for you to seek wisdom. So, Father, we pray. God, I, I pray for each one of us. God, each one of us is in a different place, different set of circumstances, different history, different current setting, and different hopes and dreams. And at the end of the day, God, I know each heart here wants, craves, desires to be wise. So, Father, would you whisper to us and show us tonight and this weeks ahead, what does it mean to be a person that walks in wisdom? What does it mean for me to be that person, to walk in wisdom? We thank you for Jesus who walked a path and had a simple, 
call to us. You come follow me. It's the path of wisdom. And we get to walk it with him. Life with you. So would you speak to us in these moments as we remember and as we think. We ask that in Jesus' name.